All right, we're here in the final week of the return, week four. I have a theory for you today. It's less of a theory. It's more of a truth because at Illuminate Church, we are helping people find abundant life in Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you a truth. And you can test that as a theory and find if it's true for yourself. Here it is. Disciples are the ones who find abundant life. Disciples. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Christians are those that put their faith in Jesus Christ. An incredibly important step. The assurance of eternity with God after this mortal body is gone. That's what Christianity gets you. Disciples are ones who not only believe in Jesus, but actually do what he says is a disciple. So abundance, this abundant life is found in a life of obedience. Discipleship is a journey marked in obedience. Woo, everyone's favorite word. Eugene Peterson, you may have heard of him. He wrote a a message version, a version of the Bible called The Message. He's written a lot of books. He's just a genius. He wrote one book called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. I love it. A long obedience in the same direction. I mean, he essentially defined discipleship right there with these words. But here's what he says. There is a great market for religious experience in our world. However, there is little enthusiasm for the patient acquisition of virtue. Little inclination to sign up for a long apprenticeship in what earlier generations of Christians called holiness. Religion in our time has been captured by the tourist mindset. Religion is understood as a visit to an attractive site to be made when we have adequate leisure. When it's convenient or helpful to me, I'll show up for God. And I'll follow him when it's convenient. Or I want an experience. And there's nothing wrong with going to Christian concerts and Christian retreats and having an experience But discipleship is a a life not marked in experience. It's a life marked in obedience, whether you're feeling it or not. I want to suggest to you today that those devoted to holiness, to discipleship, it is they who will find abundant life. It is they who will experience the fullness of the life that God intended for every one of you when you were formed in your mother's womb. As we've been learning here, the staff and and myself and I, however you say that with proper grammar, strong faith is long faith. Isn't that a good term? I didn't make that up. Dr. Darius Daniels did. He saw it at a conference. I shared it with the, the staff. Strong Faith is long faith, plodding along, a long obedience in a same direction. So who is a disciple? If it's disciples that achieve and receive abundant life, then who actually is a disciple? At Illuminate Church, we say this all the time. A disciple is someone who meets God, discover who they are in Christ, become more like Jesus, and lead others to do the same. Meet, discover, become, lead. You say it. Meet, discover, become, lead. That's what we say, right? And it's true. But how do you know if you're actually meeting, discovering, becoming, and leading? Like, what should the litmus test? What will I look like? How can you tell that all the MDBL is happening in me? 
Jesus answers the question. Here's what he says in John chapter 13. Again, this is the litmus test. Are you traveling the path of holiness or are you just living on experiential vapors? They just come and they go. They come and they go. I need another one. John chapter 13. By the way, open your Bibles to John chapter 13. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Our ushers will be glad to bring you a Bible. If you just raise it up like that, there's no shame. I'd rather have a Bible than to not. Okay, we're good? Awesome. John chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus says these words himself. A new command I give you. Love one another. I just love this. This is Jesus' command, right? As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, here it is, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you do one thing, love one another. Everyone will know it. Everyone will know that you are a true follower of Jesus, that you are living the abundant life if you love one another, but if there's a specificity to how we are to love one another. He says it right here in John chapter 13. How should we love one another? In the exact same way that he loved us. He loves us. We turn around and love one another. So for the final week of the return, what we're going to do uh, we're looking at, still at the story of the lost sons. Remember last week, Pastor Christine, she did a great job preaching last week. Hallelujah. <laughs> Love it. So good. But we found out that both sons are lost, the older brother and the younger brother. Uh, in this last week of this series, we're going to turn our attention finally to the father in the story. For to be a disciple, a disciple is to love like the father in this story that I'm about to read. And listen, we often think of God as the father in this story as we rightfully should. He's the one welcoming us home when we've been off in far distant lands. But as you read this, understanding John chapter 13, Jesus says, I want you to love each other like the father has loved you. So today, it's not heretical to say this, I want you to see yourself as the father. For to love one another, we must love like the father. So I become the father to the prodigal brothers. I'm, I'm this man. All right? And by the way, just need to say this. How fun on Mother's Day that we're talking about the father. <laughs> and mothers, I would say this to you. Before your mothers, your daughters, you are a splendor of the king. He has crowned you in beauty and wisdom. And he loves you. You are a cherished prize of his possession. And I hope today you feel that love all throughout the day. And with you, the men in the room and the non-mothers yet, we will love one another the same way that God has loved you and loves us. It's the whole purpose of this story. It's one of the purposes of the story. Luke chapter 15, are you there? Luke chapter 15, turn in your Bibles. If you're in John, you're just gonna flip back a little bit, back to the left. Luke chapter 15, Jesus continued. And by the way, I know we've read this story all, all four weeks now, but we can't stop reading it. Faith comes by hearing and that of God's word. So let's listen to his word. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth on wild living. Mm -hmm. 
Just sounds like the way you're supposed to say it. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the paws of the pigs reading, but no one gave him anything. So when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and smooched him. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father interrupts him and says to the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. In this final verse, verse 24, For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The Father shows us right here in this story how to love. It's Jesus' magnum opus on love. This great work of love. We should do well to copy this masterpiece, for in it lies the key to abundance. What I'm trying to put together here for us today, based on the scriptures as we read them, for us to experience abundant life, there's a necessary step of obedience, one necessary step according to Jesus. To love one another as the Father has loved you. All the law and the prophets hang in this one command, love the Lord your God and love each other. That's it. Everything else falls into place when we begin to do this. Now, how do we do this? I have two takeaways today. There's probably other things you could take away, but two things if you're taking notes to write down. Here's the first one. If we want to love like the Father, if we want to love one another as the way that the Lord has loved us, the first thing we got to do is embody mercy and grace. To actually become in your physical being the real representation of mercy and grace. Now let's all get back on the same page about what these two terms mean. Number one, mercy means to not get a punishment you do deserve. It's coming for you. But somebody steps in and says, hey, you're no longer going to receive this penalty. So mercy is you do not receive a punishment you do deserve. Grace is the opposite, where you don't deserve a blessing, but you get one anyway. You are graced a gift, given a gift that you did not deserve. Mercy and grace. Mercy removes from us a punishment we deserve. Grace bestows upon us a blessing we did not deserve. And in this story, the father does both. He embodies mercy and grace for his son. If your kid, let's just pretend you had kids, or if you do have kids, comes to you and says, give me my inheritance now. I want to live like you're dead. That's what this story, in, we, we taught this at Easter the first week. The son's saying, give me the money. I'm going as far away from you as possible and taking all my possessions with me. 
we're separating our lives. And he goes off, your son, your daughter, whoever, goes off to Las Vegas and there spends everything in the bars and with prostitutes while living. Spends it all. Has rejected you and wasted your wealth on things of the world. And then they come home. And there they stand. What what, what are you going to do? I mean, the son comes home, he deserves a penalty. He's racked up a debt. He owes, he must pay. Therefore, there is a penalty. But mercy says to the son, to your son or daughter who's come back from Vegas, all the debts are forgiven. There is no penalty. You don't owe a thing. That's what the father does here. There is no penalty. And then grace says, not only do you not get punished, but you get lavished. Isn't that great? I'm removing from you punishment and I'm giving to you lavishment. I just, I don't know if that's a word, but we just made it up. And here's what's interesting about the father. The father gives what is needed, not what is deserved. We talked about this two weeks ago. He gives him the robe of royalty of honor. He gives him the ring of authority and mission. He puts on him the sandals of freedom and he gives these as gifts to his son. Do you know, this is what a lot of moms do. The kid, me as a kid, messes up in a bad spot. The kid deserves a penalty or punishment and mom makes pancakes or whatever you make at your house. The mom has an intuition that says, I see you hurting and I could hurt you further, but instead, here's love. I'm gonna let love lead us into discipline, into correction. Because it's not just like, here's some pancakes, keep messing up. It's like, hey, I love you. Kid hasn't cleaned a room in months. Mom said, clean your room, 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 clean your room. One day, kid comes home from school, room's clean. Now, some of you are like, this is enablement. Mom says, this is love. God says, this is love. He's not an enabler. He is one that's making a way, and that way is not punishment and grudges and beheadings of spirit. It's a love. Pancakes, room clean. Thank you, moms. Our pancakes always have almond extract in them. Better. Mm. This is how God loves us. Mercy, removing the penalty. Grace, lavishing us with blessings. And then he says, this is how I want you to love one another. This is what the followers of Jesus will look like removing the penalty, and lavishing the blessing. Oh, and as a bonus, when you do this, you receive abundant life. You walk in abundant life. I want to tell you, the world is not going to know you're a disciple by how many church services you attend. The world is not going to know you're a disciple by how much money you give, how many prayers you speak with voluminous words. It's not going to know that you're a disciple based on how many Bible studies you attend. And listen to me, as a pastor of this church, I see other lead pastors that have been in ministry and 
Those are the key foundations of a church. They're super important. I pray that you always attend church. I pray that you always give unto the Lord. I pray that you continually are in study of the word. I pray that you continually pray. But the Lord gave us all those things so we could do the one thing. To learn how he loves us and then to go and love one another the same. For if we're doing all these things and yet not love, we're just a resounding gong, a clanging cymbal, according to 1 Corinthians 13. Love one another as he has loved us. That's what it means to embody. You actually, in your body, allow somebody else to experience mercy and grace. The father ran to his son with his body. He hugged him with his body and he kissed him. He didn't just say, your penalty is forgiven. He hugged him and he kissed him. And then with his body, he put a robe and a ring and sandals on him. And then with his body, he got the fattened calf. They killed it. And I imagine his dad with his body celebrated. That's what celebrating looks like. <laughs> totally. Amen? Amen? It's one thing to say it, and it's important to say it. It's another thing to do, to love, to embody mercy and grace, to become Mercy and grace. That's what the Father did. He embodied mercy and grace. I wonder if we graced more and grudged less, will we finally lo love like the Father? Right? Grudges build up. If we grace, do you have a grudge this morning against anyone? Maybe an institution, maybe your work, maybe your job, maybe your boss. Anyone at Illuminate Church have a grudge with their boss? I see those hands. I'm kidding. Are you still hurt by someone or something? I'm going to ask you today to cover it with grace. And you may say, you have no clue what you're asking because the wound is deep. I'm going to invite you back next week when we talk about healing these deep wounds. But today, I'm going to ask you to cover it by grace. Grace is the exact opposite of what the world would do. The world says if you hold a grudge, here's what you do. You tweet about it, you punish the person, you cancel them, and you never resolve it. That's what the world says. It's not what Jesus says. Grace kills the bitterness that grudges keep on life support. Grace will kill the grudges that you have against another person that grudges keep on life support. Bitterness again and again and again and again. How do you do this? Do what the Father did. When you feel a grudge, forgive. Hold no penalty against that person. When you feel like cursing them, bless them instead. Speak a blessing over their lives. When you feel like withdrawing from them, engage. Grace and mercy are the opposites. They go in the opposite direction of the world. That's why Jesus said, the world will know that you are my disciples when you love one another the way that I have loved you because it's so rare and uncommon on the earth, yet it is so beautiful and life-giving. The whole world will notice it. What do you mean you're not mad at them? Man, God's forgiven me. I've forgiven them. I've done way worse to God than they've done. Mm. I know this is hard. 
So here's the second point of what I want to say. First, embody mercy and grace. But here's the only way that I believe, maybe this is just personally, that you can embody mercy and grace because the wounds are real. The wounds are deep. People have hurt you. You've been hurt. How? Here's the last point. Become the father by staying as the son. Become the father by staying as the son. I, I wish I'd just it'd come to my mind right now, I would have had ready the painting that we showed at Easter, Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son where the son is kneeling at the father's chest and just buried into the father's chest. And the father's loving him, welcoming him home. The only way that we can give mercy and grace to each other is to remember that mercy and grace are the very oxygen that we exist on. Without God's mercy and grace, I am nothing. I have no power, no ability to love and forgive anybody unless I stay as the son bent in front of the father. Where would I be without him? Love as you have been loved. So here's the trick. I don't believe in tricks. Here's the key. To love well, you must allow yourself to be loved well. In order to give mercy and grace to anyone else, you must first receive mercy and grace from the Father. And then you have it in spades. Abundant life. I have abundance of mercy because I recognize the avalanche, waterfall of mercy that's coming this way, of grace. And now I give because it's been given to me. I have two questions for you today. Number one, have you accepted the love of the Father? Have you truly? Here's some under questions with this first question to help you uh, clarify this for yourself. It, have you accepted the love of the Father? Well, do you still think you deserve to be punished? Does any part of you feel like, man, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be there. I don't deserve that. When I walk in, people are going to look at me funny because I am a broken piece. I want to suggest to you, if you feel any hint of that, you have not fully received the mercy of the Father who's removed all the shame from you. All the penalty from you was placed on Jesus Christ. And when he took all that shame, that penalty to the grave, the grave thought it had won. But when Jesus arose from the grave, this is what he said to all of us. The penalty has been defeated. Your penalty exists no longer upon you. That's the mercy. That's the love of the Father. The second part of this question, have you accepted the love of the Father, is this. Do you still feel undeserving of his love and blessings? The men's summit retreat, one of the men said to me, I feel like I have imposter syndrome. And I'm 48 years old, be 49 this year, and for some reason, I'd never heard this term before, imposter syndrome. And I was fascinated by it. I'm like, what are you saying? He says, and now it makes sense when he says like, oh yeah, I've experienced this my whole life. I don't feel like I deserve what I have. And that one day somebody's gonna find out the real me and all of this is gonna be taken from me, my family, my job, my everything, which is crazy because this is a great man of God that's saying this, sitting across from me. 
like, dude, I felt like that. And then as I'm studying the scripture, it makes me realize that I haven't fully received the love of the Father because I haven't fully received his grace. I don't deserve my wife and children. I don't deserve this job. He's given them to me as a blessing because he loves me. And I can receive it and say, God, I see it. Thank you for this love. I'm not the one holding this all together. You are. Woo. Have you accepted fully the love of the Father? That's the first question. Here's the second question. Have you given the love of the Father? Is there someone in your life you are still punishing with unforgiveness and withdrawal? Is there someone in your life that you are withholding a blessing from? I was reading the book of Proverbs one day. Actually, I was reading the book of uh, Romans that quotes the book of Proverbs, this scripture. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 21 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. These burning coals aren't like, hey, I'm burning you. The burning coals are you taking from your source of supply, your burning coals, and putting them on his head, they wore turbans and they could put burning coals on their heads and saying, hey, I have enough. I've been given enough. Now let me give to you. And I know that you need my coals because your fire has gone out. Your source of heat, your source of being able to purify water, your source of cooking, your source of light has gone out. So take from mine and go relight your fire. This is what he's saying to do for your enemies. As I read that scripture, I said, Lord, do I have enemies? Because this scripture stood out to me. He's like, hello, pay attention. So I was meditating on it. And he says, no, you don't have enemies, but you have people that aren't enemies that you're treating worse than an enemy. You're not even doing this that I say to do for enemies for them. I was like, ay, ay, ay. And so the Lord brought someone to mind. And I reached out to this person and I said, hey, let's get together. The Lord's told me to love you the way that I've been loved by him, and I haven't been doing it. I've been withholding, withdrawing, in some way grudging. I don't even know, but there was distance between me and this person. I said, hey, let's get together. And he said, no. And I was like, well, I tried. God's like, I didn't ask you to obey him. I asked you to obey me. So I get on the phone with this, and I'm like, listen. And I told him this whole story. You're not an enemy of mine, but I've been treating you worse than an enemy. I've done nothing for you. So we, we blessed this man. We blessed his family. And um, I'm praying that it's just a little seed in the ground that removes a grudge. But here's what the Lord told me in all of this. The reason I have not been loving him well is because I hadn't fully received God's love. For if I had fully received God's love, I would have loved this man well from the beginning. Wouldn't have this season of separation. Are you following me? I know it's kind of a heavier message, so I'm not sure if you're bored or if you're introspective. I'm assuming it's the second one. You, your life currently may not feel abundant and it may be because you're not loving people around you like the Father has loved you. 
but, this is a huge but, your life could be abundant beginning today if you would choose to love like the Father, to embody mercy and grace. You choose. You decide which way will lead to life abundant, the way of the Father or the way of the world. If you would just bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm gonna give you two opportunities in this prayer to respond for coming to church and not doing this part feels like the whole entirety of church would be a waste. This is where we put our hearts in front of God and say, Lord, I came all this way. I got all dressed up. I'm here to celebrate moms, but you intercepted the day with your love. I'm paying attention to you. Father, would you just speak now? Holy Spirit, come. In all your grandeur, all your sovereignty, all your wisdom, your singular ability to speak to each person all at once. Would you speak to each heart here as we answer these two questions? Have I received the love of the Father? And if you're here today and you've never received the love of King Jesus, today is a special day for you, for you recognize that he sent his son to the cross to remove from you the penalty, all penalties of all time, all shame, all condemnation removed from you through the power of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And he did it all because he loves you. For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that if you believe in him, you will not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible also says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. If you have not received that salvation, then today is your day to receive his love by just confessing Jesus is Lord. On the count of three, like every voice in the room to say Jesus is Lord. One, two, three, Jesus is Lord. Now, if you've made that confession for the first time today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand on the count of three. Why? It's a moment of declaration. It's the greatest decision of your life. It's a day in history to be marked. And I just want to celebrate with you on the count of three. If you've made that decision for the first time today, raise your hand. One, two, three. Anybody here today? Yes, my good sister. Anyone else? Anyone else today? Praise be to God. Thank you for those who are being saved and set free. We thank you, God. Now, the second question is, have you given the love of the Father? Is there someone in your life that you've canceled, that you've withdrawn from, that you have, uh, you're, you're bitter towards? Let's just be honest. And out of the deep well of mercy and grace that's been given to you, take a drink of it and then go and give mercy and grace to that person in your life. It's not to enable them. It's to paint a bridge of love that allows healing to come. You gotta trust the Father to show up in the places that don't make sense, to do what only He can do as you extend mercy and grace. I'm gonna count to three, and if there's anybody here today that says, I'm gonna go love somebody different when I leave this place today, I just want you to confess that by raising your hand and saying, yes, me. I'm gonna go love different. One, two, three. Anyone here today? 
Father, in the name of Jesus, empower your sons and daughters to go do what you have asked them to do. Lord, may they be full to the brim, overflowing actually, with your grace and mercy. Fill them up so much that it pours out of them uncontrollably. I forgive you because I've been forgiven. I bless you because I've been blessed. Lord, you bring healing in these relationships. Do what only you can do. Do what only you can do through our faithfulness to embody mercy and grace as you have given it to us. In the powerful name of Jesus, everyone said, amen, amen. Come on, would you celebrate God working in the house today?